This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt on the Cloth. This was my sermon from August 29th. I hope you enjoy. God bless. My scripture this morning is taken from James chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. If you'd like to follow along as, as I read aloud, it is found in your pew Bibles on page 213. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a, a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. So therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves for if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forgot what they were alike. But those who took into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious, and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. Hmm. To care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. It's as if the writer of James has decided to say, okay, everything that you ever wanted to know in less than a paragraph is right here. He has the same anxious anticipation that the writer for Paul does all the time. Today is the day, not tomorrow, that you're supposed to be doing the things of God. Today. You can't wait till tomorrow because tomorrow's too late. You have to do it today. And what he does is he throws out all of this stuff at you. Like, oh, you got to be hearers and doers of the words. And you're like, oh, okay, another one of these moments where I have to say the right thing and do the right thing. But in a lot of senses, it, it reminds me of those. Do you remember when we were, well, some of us still do it, these big bowls of weird-looking things from nature, and we made them smell good and put good stinkum on it. And we, we call it potpourri, right? 
I'm probably saying it wrong, but I don't care. So you, you have this big bowl of this stuff from nature, and, and, and you walk by it. And now as a kid, you see it, you could smell it from the other room. I mean, I loved it when my mom, and we knew people were coming to the house, she'd get this big bowl, and she'd throw all this nature stuff in it, and oh my gosh, the spiced apple was the best when I was a kid, right? But you're a kid, so you see all these things inside this bowl, and it smells really good, like spiced apple. You know where this is going, right? So you grab the weirdest looking thing in the bowl and you put it in your mouth, thinking it's going to taste like it smells. And then promptly, all over the place, that tastes horrible. And your mom coming around the corner, did you eat that again? No, it was Luke. I didn't do that. It's in this, this idea that Jesus and the, the, the writer here in James is throwing out all of these things at you and he creates this big, beautiful bowl that's supposed to be attractive to all those that hear these words so that they become doers of the word. Not just to be hearers of it and to smell it from a distance. He talks about topics like our true source and the divine that births people through the word. He gives us instructions about good communication and, and the control of emotions and an exhortation to resist wickedness. Yeah, you know, because, well, let's face it, we're wicked. But then he says, but to embrace the implanted word that brings salvation. And then he gives us our first nuance of a theme that recurs through the entire epistle of James, how the role of faith is to works. And then he closes this moment with a communication that warns us about loose tongues and instruction that admonishes true religion, you know, the one that cares for the orphans and the widows. He wants us to go to the source. So let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> we live in a world full of sources, right? Everyone's an expert that has internet access. In this moment, James is not saying that any of the human aspects of life are the source that you should be focusing in on. God becomes the source, the source of good gifts. Now, I don't want to belabor this and, and make it all about the cliches, but these good gifts that he's talking about here, it's the very source of the giving impulse to give. The gifts that God gives to us is not lukewarm. God does not care where you park at Walmart. So for us to say, well, God must really like me today and gave me a front row space is wrong. God doesn't care where you park. God does care about the person you drove past that was asking for food that we ignored. 
God is the very source of the giving pulse. And the giving character of God is scripted into God's very creation. The ability to give is one aspect of God's image in us. In us, all of creations that draw breath. And God's gifts are also perfect. He gives us good gifts given at just the right time. James is also wanting us to have a case for God, so much so that he mentions it eight times. Not as a remote or remnant concept, but as one who is the most real and defines reality. You see, God creates humans. God listens to their prayers. God rewards their fidelity. Above all, God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and who is the source of every good and perfect gift, James wants you to know that it defines reality itself. If reality is defined by the endless bestowal of gifts, then it can't be a closed system, but an open one. Not a world of limited resources, but of infinitely renewable resources. One of the coolest parts yesterday was the leadership retreat, and it's really hard, right? Because the world that we live in, regardless of where it is, it's at work or at church, we only focus in on the sphere of our influence. When I talk to people about their lives, they talk about, well, at my home, there's this. So when you throw a concept to a group of people that are focusing in on strategic planning for us as a church, which I'm very excited about, by the way, and you say the phrase, well, with unlimited resources, with money is no option or, or uh, problem, and you are presented this question, what do you do? Well, the first thing that we do is, is we, we, we automatically are going to get defensive. Well, nothing comes for free. Well, that's not the question. The question was, if money was not a thing to worry about, what do you do? Well, then we have to start asking ourselves, well, what is it that we, what's the question, right? What do we need? What is it the thing that God has given to us that we can give to others? And then you get into these really great discussions about the things that people need in our community, but outside our sphere of influence. You start to talk about not just those that are inside here or those that are online. You start to talk about what happens outside our building. And no, I'm not talking about outside the physical building, like the sidewalk. I'm talking about all of those other people that we run into at Homeland or at Brahms. And the question becomes harder to answer. But you are supposed to be the attractive potpourri of wisdom. And our goal is, is that we want you to be edible. We don't want you to go walking around and, and attract people 
to the understanding of God's love. And then when they get here, they go, did you eat that? No, no, that wasn't me. And then we also have to recognize that in that same vein, there are some people that are just like Josh that ate from the bowl of poopery of wisdom, and it's nasty. And they don't want to have anything to do with the church. But they still have to feel God's love. They still have to know that someone loves them. You see, that's the hardest part of here that James is giving to us. It has nothing to do with what it is that you want. It has everything to do with what God wants. Do not deceive yourselves into thinking that you have all of the power. So it, it, it brings to mind what in our life could we do a better job applying God's truth rather than just merely listening. We have to ask ourselves, what are, what are the good gifts that God has given to us today to affect all of those that draw breath? It makes us recall moments when we were quick to listen and slow to speak. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about here? In the 20 plus years that I've been working in churches, I, I find myself always talking with people, whether it's a couple or whether it's brothers and sisters, and, and you're in the midst of a discussion. And, and for the sake of today, I'm going to use a hypothetical, Okay. I did this a lot yesterday. Drove probably our leaders crazy. But pretend that my wife and I were in a room talking. And my wife has obviously had a bad day. And she comes in and she sits down next to me and she just goes <gasps> for like 30 minutes about how bad her day was and how the people were mean to her and how people are rude and how humans should all be just thrown out in the street, drawn and quartered, stabbed and caught on fire for 30 minutes. And you sit there the whole time. And I don't know if any of you have this problem, but the very first thing I want to do is in the middle of the discussion, I want to say, okay, wait, wait. What can I do to help or fix it? And they give you that look. I don't want you to do anything. But I'm but I but I could and I could and I could talk to that person and I could go look at that person funky. I will be more than glad to go to your office. I will I will say mean things to protect you and all the the whole time. All she wanted me to do was listen. What do you think God wants from us? It's so hard for us as human beings to recognize that God wants to listen to you. Why do you think we pray? It's so hard for us because we think that in some ways God doesn't care about our burdens. Somebody else has more burdens than me. So why should God listen to me? And that is a lie, ball-faced lie. God cares about each and every one of your concerns and he cares about every single other human being's concerns and cares. And why should we care? Well, because God is slow to speak. Because God listens. 
before we get the gifts to be doers of the word. One of our ancient church fathers would say something about the phrase, when we ask how good a person is, we do not ask what they believe or what they hope for, but how they live. How they live. So church, you've been entrusted for many times, to be that person that hears the word. You are like those that look at themselves in a mirror, and my hope is, is that when you do that, you do not forget who you are. But you persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, so that you can bless others in your doing. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.